following is a message by Dr. John Fesco from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Join me, if you would, in a brief word of prayer. Let us pray. Father God, we're grateful uh, that you give us life and breath, but that chiefly above all else, you give us your grace in Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, that as we stop briefly to contemplate your word this morning, that you would open our eyes, our ears, that you would plow the fallow ground of our hearts and plant your word deeply within and that you would water and fertilize and cause it to grow to yield much fruit to your glory. We pray and ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, I've been preaching this semester in a brief sermon, or a brief series, I should say, on the fruit of the Spirit. And so what I'll do, as I have been doing these past couple of weeks, is read the famous verses, and then we'll talk this morning about patience. So allow me to read uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Hear now the word of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. By way of a brief... Uh, personal confession, although one has to be careful with such confessions, I don't want to reveal too much, uh, is that uh, I struggle uh, immensely with patience. If I have a particular uh, burden that I bear, it is a lack of patience. Uh, some of you know this, that uh, I've said this before, that if my wife and I are watching a show and we want to know the outcome because we just can't wait until the end of the movie, we'll go look it up on Wikipedia. You know, we want to know what happens. Uh, my wife, when she reads a book, she will frequently start with the end of the book so that she knows what happens. Uh, and this is something that uh, has uh, marked me my entire life. It's not just maybe the, the product, if you will, of living in this culture, as impatient as it can be. I can remember as a child, maybe being about the age of 10, and my brother was about 8 years old, my parents had placed all of the Christmas gifts underneath the Christmas tree. Uh, and this was a number of weeks ahead of time. And as you can well imagine, uh, at times we were without adult supervision, which meant we were there to look fondly and gazingly upon all of the gifts that were stacked beneath the tree. And so my brother and I, uh, though I'll probably give him most of the credit for the idea, he's not here to defend himself, so why not? Um, uh, we, had, we surgically opened every single Christmas present that was, uh, belong that was addressed to my brother and myself, and um, we, you know, because we wanted to know. We could not wait until Christmas uh, to find out. You know, and as my mother would say, well, Providence had a way of finding us out. And that we had, you know, staged our feigned surprise at the opening of every gift come Christmas morning. Uh, and then my parents brought out one last gift, which we knew nothing about, absolutely nothing about. So this was indeed a true and total mystery. And... Um, my parents, my mother in particular, said, well, why don't you guess to see if you can guess what it is? 
And out of nowhere, I have no idea where the uh, idea came from, I said slippers, and it was slippers. Uh, and that was the fact that convinced my parents that we had opened up all the Christmas gifts early. <laughs> my mother, I remember saying, see, the Lord has a way of finding you out. Well, needless to say, patience is something that I struggle with. And in today's culture, it's not easy uh, to live with the idea that we're supposed to be patient people. You know, all sorts of companies offer instant credit. Just sign this form, we'll give you money. We have instant messaging on our phones where you can text somebody and you can even see as to when they're going to respond because you get the little bubbles that's showing you that, oh, there's a response forthcoming. And as annoying it can be when that bubble disappears and you never get the message, you're like, what, what was that? I, what were they typing? I want to know. Uh, microwaves, standing in front of the microwave can be the absolute longest minute of the day uh, as you wait that 60 to 90 seconds for your food to cook to either nuclear hot levels with a cold icy center. Um, at least during uh, the economic meltdown of a number of years ago, you could get a home mortgage with no money down. Why wait to save to come up with that down payment? Uh, you just get it now. Uh, in the uh, sexually charged culture that we live in today, it scoffs at the idea of waiting uh, for sex until marriage. Uh, now, even these days, companies such as Amazon are touting the idea that they will soon be able to offer you same-day delivery, that you click on that order button and it shows up in your mailbox that same day. I think it was just such a far cry as to when I was a kid, and I remember wanting this bike frame. And uh, the store offered, and I know that some of you I mean, have no idea what this is, but they offered layaway. Well, what is layaway? Well, you put some money down on it, and then they put it up on the shelf, and they would hold it for you until you would pay it off. And so my brother and I would go on a monthly basis to make our payment on that part that we wanted so badly. And after about six months, we were able to go and finish paying it off and picking it up. So when Paul tells us, when Paul tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, there's a sense in which this idea runs counter to much of what we find uh, in our own personal experience as well as even in the broader culture. In a culture that says you can have it all now, the scriptures say, no, you are supposed to be patient. So what I'd like us to do in the time that remains is consider patience, one of the fruits of the Spirit, under three main headings. What is patience, first of all? Secondly, where do we find it? And then thirdly, manifesting patience. What is patience? Where do we find it? And manifesting it. So first, what is patience? I think we can say that, generally speaking, patience is the ability to wait for something that you want, that you desire. It's waiting, waiting for something that you desire. The Helmus of Brockle, Dutch theologian from the Second or Further Reformation in the 17th century in the Netherlands, he says this, he says, the essence or nature of patience consists in enduring of affliction willingly with composure, joyfully, and steadfastly. Notice here, he places patience within the context of suffering, and that it's a willingness to endure the suffering joyfully, 
You can imagine if you're suffering, the thing that you want most of all is for the trial to end, for it to cease. He says, going on, he says, trials do not trouble the soul as a storm would do to a sea, but the soul permits the waves and the billows to roll over her. Such a soul is as smooth, a smooth beach, which the waves, so to speak, play, playfully run dead. Or she is a rock which remains immovable and breaks up the sea as it bears down upon it. That's interesting imagery. Rather than allowing the sea to conform uh, the rock or the beach to its pattern as it pounds down upon it, the beach lies unaffected. The, 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 the rock lies unaffected by the trials. Now it's important at this point that with this general description that we take a few other ideas in mind. Is that when we're talking about patience, we have to recognize that we're not simply talking about the moral virtue that we could find in a number of people, even unbelievers. But rather, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. As a moral virtue, patience comes from within. It's self-directed. It's to your own personal benefit. Whereas as a fruit of the Spirit, it comes from without. It comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit. And its ultimate goal is conformity to Christ. So recognize this in terms of when we're talking about patience. Moreover, it's important to recognize, particularly here, that we don't want to invert the indicatives and the imperatives of Scripture. If you ever want to preach the, uh, or teach for example, uh, Christ's uh, Beatitudes, mess them up by turning them into imperatives, into commands. They're not commands, they're blessings. And in this respect, the fruit of the Spirit, it is not that Paul is saying, you must be patient in order to receive this blessing of the Spirit. On the contrary, this is something that comes from Christ. It is a gift and it is something that he gives to all believers through the Spirit. In other words, it is something to which we all have access by the gospel of Christ. So recognize that this is what we are talking about when we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit, when we are talking about patience. All right, so then where do we find it? Well, I've already begun to hint at where we find it. We find it in the Spirit. But if we back up a little bit, we should recognize that first and foremost, our triune God is a God of patience. There are a number of points throughout the scriptures where we see our triune God manifesting his patience towards his creation, towards the church. Peter, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 says, When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. He could have rightly and justly condemned the whole world. And yet he waited patiently. According to Paul in Romans chapter 2, he describes uh, God in terms of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. All of which was intended to lead us to repentance. I mean, if you think about 
how often and how quickly we desire instantaneous justice. If somebody wrongs us, we want immediate satisfaction. We want immediate resolution. How different this is to God, who while he could rightly say, I will exact punishment immediately, I will exact justice immediately, he waits, and he waits patiently. Because ultimately, his goal is not so much justice, but rather in the scope of redemptive history, he was waiting patiently to reveal himself in the person and work of his son, in Jesus Christ. We see shadowy pictures of God's patience and even the patience of Christ, for example, in the person of Job. As he was stricken in the midst of his trials. So much so that the figure of Job has generated that cliche. He has the patience of Job. As Job sat there upon the pile of rubble, scraping his sores with a pot shirt. As his wife told him, curse God and die. And his so-called three friends offered him counsel. With friends like that who needs enemies. We see other shadowy figures, such as Joseph in Egypt. I mean, think of every twist and turn in his life. His own brothers turned against him, threw him into a pit, and they were going to kill him. But then they said, okay, we won't kill you. We'll just sell you into slavery. He's carted off and he's taken to a land where he doesn't know the language, where he doesn't know the people. And he is put in prison and then finally he works his way up and gets a degree of responsibility only to be falsely accused and thrown back into prison again. Until finally he's exonerated and he's elevated to second in command over all of Egypt. Imagine the patience that that required. And imagine the desire, perhaps even throughout his life. How much did he think during his life, I want justice. My brothers have committed wrong against me. And here, all of these years, they are going unpunished. And yet, how does that all resolve itself? How does God resolve it by his providence when his brothers finally, upon the death of their father, go to him and beg for mercy, saying, "Uh, please don't do any uh, wrong to us. He says, how could I? What you intended for evil, Genesis 50, 20, God intended for good and for the saving of all of these lives. Here, Joseph had that perspective of patience, which ultimately, I think, foreshadows the fullness of the revelation of God in Christ and the patience that God in Christ manifests towards us in the salvation of his people. Think, for example, of the Apostle Paul. If there was anyone who certainly deserved God's judgment, it was Paul. We're going to have to have patience with the car alarm. But I mean, here is one who is persecuting the church even unto death. I mean, here is one who deserved God's judgment. How many within the church even thought, oh Lord, bring down your judgment swiftly against this man. He is persecuting your church. He is putting us in prison. He is putting us to death. Yet what was Paul's own testimony in this regard? He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, 
Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul was the chief example of God's patience in Christ to him, he who was the chief of sinners. Think of how often Christ has been patient with you. Think of how often you have sinned. Think of how often you have struggled, you have kicked against the goads, you have wrestled with Christ in the process of your sanctification, and yet Christ has not leveled the hammer of judgment, but rather he has treated you tenderly. He has wooed you, if you will. Think of the description that Hosea says towards his adulterous wife. I will pull you into the desert. I will surround you with a hedge. And I will speak tenderly and kindly to you. Such is the nature of Christ's patience towards us. Which means, beloved, given the profound amount of patience that we have received, the patience of Christ... We are a people above all else to be marked by patience. You see it in Christ in so many ways. Think of all of the patience that he manifested towards his disciples. How many times have you read the gospel narrative shaking your head thinking, what is the matter with these people? Why do they not see? And yet here is Christ patient with them. So we see Christ's great patience towards us, which means that if we are to be conformed to his image, that this is the patience that we must manifest towards one another. Which brings us to our third and last point, which is manifesting patience. Remember, patience comes by faith in Christ. It comes through his indwelling power and presence. It is not um, so much that something you strive for as if it comes only from yourself, exclusively from yourself so that you're simply pulling yourself up by your moral bootstraps, gritting your teeth saying, I will manifest more patience. That's not it. It is rather relying upon the power of the Spirit. And in this case, we have to ask ourselves, do circumstances produce impatience in us? Or do the circumstances of life reveal that we are impatient? How often have you heard, heard people say, oh, I'm sorry, this situation made me impatient. In that case, I've got a great excuse. My children make me very impatient. A lot. But yet Luther said, those speak foolishly, so he's speaking to me, those speak foolishly who ascribe their anger or their impatience to such as offend them or to tribulation." Tribulation does not make people impatient, but proves that they are impatient. So everyone may learn from tribulation how his heart is constituted. Circumstances don't force you to be impatient. Rather, it reveals your lack of patience, your lack of trusting in Christ, your lack of relying upon the power of the Spirit in whatever circumstance you might find yourself. And that your lack of patience isn't some sort of lack of a moral virtue, but it is ultimately a lack of your resting in Christ. It is a lack of our uh, surrender to Christ and a lack of drawing nigh unto him. So yes, the fruit of the Spirit is ours. 
But if you fail to manifest that patience in whatever circumstance or trial you find yourself, it means that we must draw closer to Christ. How do we draw closer to him? Well, I would suspect prayer is a wonderful arena in which to work out our impatience. Obviously, seeking Christ through the means of grace in word and sacrament is also another source of laying hold of the patience of Christ that we receive through the Spirit. But I say this, and I warn you in this respect, praying for a greater patience, that the Spirit would enable you to be patient, in one sense, is a dangerous thing to pray for, if you're an impatient person. I'm an impatient person. I hate waiting. My motto is the early bird gets the worm. I think Dr. Godfrey's motto is the early worm gets eaten. Ponder that for a while. But if you're impatient and you pray, oh Lord, give me patience, don't be surprised when you find providence arranged in such a way to give you the opportunity to lay hold of the fruit of the spirit of patience. In other words, you find yourself with God in his providence saying, you're going to wait. I hate waiting, as I'm sure maybe you do too. You know, uh, it's like there are three answers to prayer all the time. Either yes, no, or wait. I'm always like, Lord, let me know one way or the other. Don't make me wait. You know, just don't make me wait. Don't be surprised if you ask for patience and a greater ability to manifest that fruit that you would die to yourself and yield your life unto Christ by his grace, that God will put people in your life that will reveal your lack of patience, your needs to rely upon him and his spirit to produce more patience in you. Your children, your friends, your professors, your life, your circumstances will become the anvil upon which God hammers and molds you into the spirit, I'm sorry, into the image of Christ. So don't be surprised. So in conclusion, perhaps like no other time before, we must ask whether we will be shaped by the world around us and its unwillingness to wait for anything, or whether by Christ through his spirit and by the means of grace molds and shapes and conforms us into his holy image. Will we be conformed by the world or transformed by the spirit-wrought renewal of our minds? When we find ourselves in circumstances that require great patience, remember that in the end, the goal of this fruit of the Spirit is conformity to Christ. Luther says, Our Lord God resembles a typesetter who sets his letters backwards. We definitely see and feel that he is setting his type, but the print we shall see in the beyond. Meanwhile, we must have patience. Wait, for God is conforming you to Christ's image. Pray, therefore, for patience. Let's bow together and pray for patience. Lord, we give you thanks that you give us the fruit of your spirit. We pray that we would not rely upon our own abilities, but rather we would rely upon your spirit and Christ to grant to us greater degrees of patience. We pray that when you do bring us those circumstances in our life that call for greater patience, that you would enable us to be just that, patient, peaceful, and even joyful in the midst of whatever circumstances you send our way. And that this would be to our conformity to Christ.
and ultimately to your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2014, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.